0: Hello, uh, welcome to this week's episode of Nerdy Neighbors. With What's your, up with your host India and Joe? Hi. Each week we're going to talk about a different aspect of nerdum and beyond. And this week we are talking about
1: fantasy. We're talking about uh like fantasy, dragons and magic and
0: dragons, magic, swords, dwarves. elves, dwarves. It's good times. All the like. Unicorns, maybe?
1: Possibly. There's like one with unicorn. I might want to talk about unicorns. We'll probably end up talking about unicorns then. It's a pretty good time.
0: Cool. (laughs) So this is actually, Joe did most of the research for this. I once again just looked at the Wikipedia article about the fantasy genre. Oh, wait, you did? I mean, yeah.
1: Oh, I thought you said I did. I was like, hush your face. I did way too much No, Joe did real
0: research this week because he's an adult and Um, has time this week. Whereas I had lots of time last week.
1: It's okay. It happens.
0: worked out real well
1: so yeah no hopefully we're gonna just do that kind of like alternating and then picking out schedules and things like that yeah we'll figure it out yeah way. eventually <laughs> in like years
0: um do we want to do announcement stuff i like that idea cool so um oh i already started doing it
1: the little guitars
0: little guitars for <laughs> those of you who
1: don't know what we're talking about i want to just get this right out right now um, When we go back and, like, edit the podcast and, like, make sure it's, like, good and we're both good and happy with it, we say so-um a lot. Or Or I
0: do. And whenever I say so-um, you can tell because it comes up and it looks like a little tiny guitar on the audio track.
1: Yeah. So when we were doing some editings, we were (laughs) going through (laughs) and you would just hear us in the bedroom or in the (laughs) office just going, Uh, the small guitars. The little
0: guitars. They're going to get you. Anyways, so we, once again, we have social media up and running. Mm-hmm. So we have a Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And we also have our Patreon running. So that's fun if you want to donate to us. Um, that's actually going to be my my, uh, my nerdyneighbors.com. Yep. And that'll direct you right to the Patreon.
1: Yep. And that's a place where you can... Um send up support even anything from like a dollar to like a million dollars if you really want to a million. Um, One million dollars um but no it's really simple if you really really like what we do and you really want to support us in certain ways please support us on patreon or contact us and see if you want to figure out how to support us at know your neighbor at gmail.com. yeah um, you
0: can also like send us stories or things you want us to do
1: mm-hmm. um Hopefully, starting soon, we're going to be a little bit more interactive on all of our social medias. Like, we'll start posting, like, what do you want? Like, polls or, like, questionnaires or, like, teasers or things like that.
0: Yeah. We'll do some fun stuff. We'll so figure it out. We're still, we'll sh- we're still learning. We're still kind of looking at what we can do. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's a good time. So.
0: <laughs> um, we also have t-shirts up. And those can be found through our Patreon. And I think they're linked on all of our social media. Yeah,
1: you can find the links for our, if you go follow it through any of our social media, we'll have the links to that in, and we'll have that in a bunch of link dumps. But yeah, if you buy it, we have a bunch of little shirt designs up and you can go on. If you buy it, half the, um and a bunch of the profit goes to us and to our distributor and all that good stuff. It's good times. I appreciate it. But anything else with announcements?
0: Uh, I don't think so.
1: You look good today.
0: Thank you. You're oh. doing great.
1: Thanks. Appreciate that, man. I'm enjoying... I'm wearing my uh, Thanks Internet t-shirt.
0: Good. I'm wearing my um, my Girl Power crop top.
1: That's okay. We'll edit this out and post. No, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, I look
0: great today, so... I know you do. Thank you.
1: Anyways. On <laughs> to the episode. <laughs> We're still trying to figure out the structure of our podcast. So, we're playing with some ideas. This, tonight, uh, we're going to do uh a history. We're going to do a history of fantasy, like modern day fantasy, and then we're going to start talking about like what we like about fantasy and have like a discussion between the two of us, kind of like nerding out and why we love it and why we nerd out about the pod, um about fantasy itself. So, without further ado, let's jump on into it. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Let's do it. Um, so if we're going to start off with fantasy, we got to talk, talk about um, my good old favorite friends, um, Charles Dickinson and Lewis Carroll. Oh, um, oh yeah, we're okay. going we're going way we're going far back. Back. We're going back. We're going back to the inspiration for the people who helped found modern day fantasy. All right, I love it. Um, don't worry. We'll get to the Tolkings and the Lewis and the C.S. Lewis's and all that good stuff and the H.P. Lovecraft and all that good stuff. Um, no, I'm down. But I'm bummed. Um, yeah. So, Charles, um, to just give you a kind of idea, the first real modern ideas of what we consider modern fantasy, were starting to creep up in the Victorian Victorian England and Victorian writing mm-hmm. where we can see what Charles Dickinson's, um, with his Christmas Carol, with Supernatural um, beings with the and... the ghosties. Yep, with the ghosties and spooky all that good. ghosties. Goes. Yes, the spooky ghosties. <laughs> and then a Yankee, and then the book, I believe it's a Yankee in a King's Court, which...
0: It's, um, it's a... Oh, geez. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's an old book.
1: Um,
0: a y- Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court? I think so. I think that's the name that of the one. title. I've um,
1: never read it. I just have Yankee in a court in my notes right now. So, like, internet <laughs> bash me. If I think
0: it's a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. It's, it's rea- some weird long name.
1: Mm-hmm. But it's really interesting because it deals with these fantastical kind of ideas. Um, and then on top of that, you also see uh, Lewis's Carol's uh, wonderful... Alice in Wonderland, advent, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, which was published um, in 1865. All right. And that was like, that's like your first real recording of someone going to a mythical and, cra- and crazy type uh, world.
0: Would you call it a portal fantasy?
1: Get out. Um, there's <laughs> I think mean, lo- that's what they're called. Yes. Um, <laughs> that would be, thank you, India. You're welcome. That would be the entrance into like, w- if you we are going into subcategories of what is a That is like um, someone from our realm being moved to a fantastical realm. And that's and you'll start seeing that kind of being like the beginning bridges towards um, what we consider now modern day fantasy with like your Lord of the Rings and your Game of Thrones and things like that. Um, But moving forward, uh, there's a lot. So those books start floating around. And from those books and some of those writings, we have a wonderful um, Scottish uh, writer who I'm going to butcher his last name. Um, I hope I don't. Uh, it's George MacDonald. Um, <laughs> Why would you butcher that? I have anytime that something's not American, I always feel like I butcher the name in some way where I don't add the right inflection or I don't do that thing. MacDonald. So it's like. So I just I get. Ad- Can we call
0: him Old MacDonald? Did he have? Old MacDonald. Yes, not McDonald.
1: No, he did not. Oh. Um, he was a writer. He was a very well. He was a very well known writer. Yeah. Um, but. Uh George Macdonald was uh he published two well known books. Um were uh, well two nov uh well known novellas, sorry, which for those of you don't know are just basically smaller versions There's of smaller books.
0: Smaller fiction novels, right?
1: Yeah. They're they're like not a short story. They're larger than the idea of a short story, but they're not the size of a novel, which okay, is really like subjective.
0: Where, yeah, like where where does a novella stop and a novel begin? Is there like a page number?
1: I have no idea because I've read novellas that are 125 pages long, where I've read. Does
0: it matter if it's like young adult fiction? Because those are usually shorter.
1: Probably, probably, but um, I did not go into publishing. This episode is not about publishing (laughs) and. (laughs) Not today. Not today. But um, from what it was, they were considered as a novella, which is like a short, which is basically a long short story, and there's two. Uh, books called the fantasy um fantasies a fairy romance for men and women and that was uh published in then 1896 All right. and that started, and that um followed a man who got transported to an other realm cool. where he was trying to find the woman of his dreams there and it was in a very fantastical fairy land with a lot of fairies and Bringing a lot from like Irish and Scottish folklore mm-hmm. um, in that kind of realm. Yeah. And then on top of that, he also released a novella called um, The Princess and the Goblin, which I is. I love <laughs> The Princess and the Goblin! Yeah. Do you, so you've read Princess and the yeah, Goblin? Yeah, me and my mom read it together
0: when, we, when I was little. That when book I is old as
1: shit. But it's so, so good. good. It's so cute. So you know how you read that when you were a kid? Yeah. Guess who picked that up when they were kids? Our good friend Tolkien C- our good
0: C.S. Lewis. My boys,
1: our good friends Tolkien and C.S. Lewis <laughs> picked up those books when they were kids, and C.S. Lewis actually talked um, talked about how the fantasy fantasies. Um, it's really weird that we're talking about the genre of fantasy, and there's a book named "Fantasies." By the is way, it's
0: called "Fantasies."
1: It's called "Fantasies," spelled oh, with a P-H, P H. Right? Yeah, it's spelled P H A N T A S T E S. Yeah, it's really weird. Interesting. Instead of like what we think is like. Yeah. fantasy with the f and just the y it's very odd. i
0: totally read that when i saw that as like phantasms i
1: don't know why no no, no. it's fantasies i, I believe you it's a yeah it's a, you um, did the real research right? <laughs> <laughs> the two of them were uh the two of them got that uh were very intrigued with that book um with those type with that author and was a huge inspiration from them while that was going on we had a lovely person named edgar Allan poe and oscar wilde um where what if you if you don't know Edgar Allan Poe he has quite a bit of um very dark uh poetry and dark uh, poems about fantastical creatures in very weird and creepy kind of ways and then we also have Oscar Wilde who's a famous who was a famous author in the 1800s who also published um The Picture of Dorian Gray which is very interesting it's like almost like a horror novel like the beginnings of yeah. horror novel um and while well, is
0: this also when like lovecraft was doing stuff or is this no no
1: no 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 no, no. we're getting to that we're getting to that i'm
0: sorry
1: hold on a second we'll get to the history things okay Um, i'm we i got a timeline going on um (laughs) while those guys were writing out their stuff um a young hp lovecraft started reading up on all of these things that's why i said if you wait a second you'll listen (laughs) you'll learn Ah. see i i speak words good it's fine Speak words uh, good? Speak words good. You know so what I mean. Smart. So smart? Super smart. While that was happening, um, a young boy by the name of H.P. Lovecraft um, started picking up those books and was falling in love and creating his own little stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the first... So the first real father of fantasy um, is actually um, George MacDonald, who created this kind of portal world. And then on top of that, very quickly after um, that was published in 1896 um a young man by the name of um franken uh franken bonham i believe that's his name l frank bonham um published and wrote uh the wonderful wizard of oz in 1900 which is one of the first full fantasy novels ever to be released um which was really really exciting but um while that's happening while all of that is happening across um in uh england uh in about in the 19 early 1920s um there was a magazine there was an american magazine dedicated to just odd and weird um stories and tales of just different types what like was, people what was it called <laughs> it was actually called um weird tales <laughs> um it started publishing in 1923 i know right they're super it's i super mean super old it's 1920s, so like this is like new and crazy ideas for them. So
0: it's all like, oh my god, there's a ghost. The cat's pajamas.
1: But no, it's. I hate you. The bees uh, knees. Yes, sure. Um, isn't the bees knees from the 60s and the 50s?
0: No, bees knees and cat's pajamas are 20s. I thought cat's
1: pajamas was 20s and bees knees was 50s. No. Nah, okay. It's all the 20s. Is it?
0: They had weird, weird talk back then.
1: I know they had weird talk, but I didn't know if that was weird talk Lots later Lots
0: dames. You know.
1: Well, alright then. Um, while that was happening, through all of those kind of um, all those inspirations that we were just talking about, so we got H. P. Lovecraft, um, and a young boy by the name of Robert E. Howard started becoming frequent contributors. And for those of you who don't know, H. P. Lovecraft was the creator of um, the creatures that we love to know now as mind flayers, and w- wrote the book The Call of Cthulhu, which is really where the if you don't know what Cthulhu is, he's effectively like another version of like. The Kraken. Yeah, like the Kraken devil thing. Yeah. Um, that makes you go insane. It's, it, um, I'll throw some pictures up and throw them in the link dump. Yeah. But Cthulhu is kind of terrifying. Um, yeah. But yeah. On top of that, um, besides H.P. Lovecraft, we had Robert E. Howard, who was actually the original, um, the creator of Conan the Barbarian. So Conan really? the Barbarian made his first... Um, debut in like the 19 late 1920s all right before tolkien had his hobbits or cs lewis had his Aslan or narnia or anything like that you were starting to see things like that kind of pop up in america
0: and this was through Weird Tales. This was
1: through Weird Tales because okay. Weird Tales would just Weird Tales was effectively like you sent in your stories and mm-hmm. they would have their people look at it and they would go, yeah, we want that, and we'd publish that. And
0: they're all illustrated, right? Um, or were they not then? There I know were no no no, comic no, 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 no. There were
1: now. there were a couple. Yeah, it's um, that's a lot of the adaptations from what okay. it is um, in Weird Tales. They would have like cover art. And then they would have like, maybe if the writer sent in a couple of illustrations mm-hmm. or if the friend, if like the writer had a friend illustrator, they would send in those like accompanying it. Gotcha. But most of the time it was just weird stories. So
0: they're just like short stories yeah. that are in like a journal-y kind of thing. Like a
1: mag, like a journal magazine yeah. thing, like where they would post that. It's like. It's like w- when you get, like, a weekly poetry book or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, that kind of concept. Gotcha. It was really cool. I'll send a link dump down to w- their website. They have a lot of really, really cool uh, covers and a lot of really, really cool stories where you can see a lot of the branching from. Sweet.
0: Does it still exist? Like, do they still exist? I believe things? so. I
1: believe there's a blog. Okay. That it's turned into kind of like an online blog. Cool. At least that's what I've kind of discovered. gathered, discovered, is... Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's still the same company, but someone on the internet has now passed the torch and is taking weird things. It's kind of like... Um,
2: creepypasta
1: kind of but (laughs) creepypasta has gone it's taken like the full hp lovecraft kind of feel to it i mean
0: yeah it's all horror as opposed to just like but yeah no it's like yeah
1: it's like it's yeah it's kind of like everyone's own reddit at this point but um while the american magazine of weird tales is happening all that stuff over across the pond we have a group of um friends and literary writers and all of these professors at oxford um, together, calling themselves the Inklings. Ah, yes. It's what a name. The um, Inklings. This is this kind of
0: like Dead poet Society, but like very much where dead, to, <laughs>
1: like one, this was like one of the inspirational groups for Dead Poets they Society. They all like hang
0: out under a tree in the fall, and they write. They all
1: smoke. They all smoke their tobacco leaves, and, and they talk about and out of pipes and just talk about writing. But they
0: have to hide it.
1: No, they're the professors at Oxford. They don't care. <laughs> oh right, they're the professors. I was about to the say point. they're the professors. I was picturing
0: them as like cool teenagers oh
1: no 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 they're just the cool they're like the cool professors <laughs> that you see at college you're like oh, oh okay. i want to be friends with you gotcha um but two of those members um of this society they're basically just a group of friends um was c.s lewis and J. R. R. tolkien but boys um so yeah so like a lot of them would just like write little stories and talk about literary stuff out of all of these things came um these wonderful stories that we know and love and mm-hmm. everything like that um and now we come into the part where i really enjoyed it and i started going a little bit crazy about the oh relationship. yeah did you a little bit it's just i find the <laughs> i find the relationship between tolkien and lewis like bonanza is amazing it's actually really cool um but to just give you kind of um going to bit by going from person to person let's talk about um tolkien real quick um tolkien uh in 1937 um he was an he was a professor in Oxford and he has a he has a wor- he's a working man with a family and he writes a uh, a children's book for his children like his his kids asked him to write him, them a story because he was a writer and they knew him as mm. a writer and he wrote a little book called the hobbit like that casual literally that was supposed to be for his children only and for some <coughs> for Sorry, some I'm reason dying. um the book got into the hands people think that it's because of his friends in the inkling society mm. because they were like, hey, this is really talented. He's like, no, 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 no. it's just garbage. It's fine. <laughs> it's um, a
0: garbage, like, 400-page book. I don't know what you're talking about. It's only brilliantly written with, like, its own languages.
1: a copy of that got into the hands of a publisher, local a local publisher, and she convinced him to um, publish this book, mm-hmm. to be like, no, you should publish this book. And he was like, I don't know. And she's like, no, we should do it. And he was like, okay, whatever, sure. So he publishes the book. Yes. It has a moderate success where it sells, um, I think, a couple thousand, uh, couple thousand copies of the book in, throughout England. So it becomes very well known, all, all that good stuff. Because of how successful it is, because of its commercial success, the publisher started talking about having, talking about a sequel. And 20, 20-ish years later, <laughs> Tolkien lands down with this gigantic tome called The Lord of the Rings. Well, with you the know, Lord it of the had r- to be perfect. Um, Tolkien had a very interesting way of writing um, in the sense that he would go, he would painstakingly go through the detail of his, because at that point, Tolkien then took the inspiration that he learned from George McDonough um, McDonald, sorry, about all of the information, uh, like all of the fantastical worlds and everything like that, and he just set the world. He just made his own world, because he he did not like the idea of connecting things. Mm -hmm. He did not, he, which we'll get into in a little bit later in a funny story, but... um, he, he just like he liked creating things um, and the connections to the real world were very symbolic. Right. Like when he originally created the Lord of the Rings, um, it was heavy handed with Christianity and heavy handed with Norse mythology and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And when he was in the editing process, he started ripping that stuff out and just keeping the symbolic ideas. So that it became more of a universal type of video. Right. Which is really, really intriguing. But yeah, Lord of the Rings, the book we all know, um, the book series that we all know and love, was actually a sequel to The Hobbit and didn't come out until 1954. And, um,
0: casual. A casual 20 years.
1: Casually 20 years.
0: Uh, <laughs> of creating... How many languages are in Lord of the Rings that he made?
1: I think he made five or six. Yeah. In the initial... In, in like the, the initial, initial. When, like when he wrote *Lord of the Rings*, because after that he started like right. that was when he really started to build his world because of how successful, not even just how successful, but because he was getting into it.
0: Didn't he also like every time he figured out a plot thing, he would have to go back and like rewrite?
1: Most of the time, that was his way of like kind of incorporating it in the mul- in the multitude of drafts that yeah. he wrote for this. He would write he would write an idea and then he would stop and then try and figure out how to incorporate it. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of times it didn't happen every single time, but it happened a lot of times where he would go back to the very beginning of the writing process yeah, and, and re and start like over. cause then he would start inserting those seeds in the very beginning of the book in, within his world building. Right. So it's very, it's very, he had a very like, and long, of course
0: all this is done on like a typewriter or handwritten at yep. this point. So it's like
1: very intriguing. It's like, woof. But um, (laughs) fun fact about this, actually, he wanted to release the Lord of the Rings as one book as a sequel to like this. I think it's like a 15, um, like a 2000 page tome Yes. as a sequel to The Hobbit. Mm -hmm. And the publisher refused to do it. He goes, nobody's going to want to publish this. Nobody's going to want to read this. Nobody's going to want to print this. That's a lot of money. Yep. And so the publisher, (laughs) the publisher forced him to separate the books and... Cut up the books in certain ways, right. which is why it's a little. Why we get three, which is why we get three. And fun fact: Tolkien actually hates the title of the third book,
0: Return of the King, it spoils it because the, it ruins the whole. It spoils book. the
1: whole story. <laughs> like, well, not the whole story, but it spoils like
0: like the, one of the main plots. Yeah, it spoils like the entire. Like
1: he's like, oh great, now everyone knows that Aragorn's gonna become like, the king. I great.
0: wonder who's gonna be the king.
1: Yeah, great times, but it's Frodo. Yes, Frodo becomes the king. God. Um, it's actually um, it's while so while that was going on, while Tolkien was writing his books and the Lord of the Rings and continuing all that, mm-hmm. that got um, while well, he was writing and discussing with his friends in the Inklings about um, like ideas and things like that, that got C.S. Lewis started generating his ideas, and he started um, to he started to craft his own children's story, um, which would become known as the Chronicles of Narnia, over the course of. I believe it's from 1949 to about 1955, he would release all of the Chronicles of Narnia books. That's
0: really fast for eight books.
1: He cranks out books like it's going on. I mean, they now. aren't
0: that long, but like, still. Yeah. Did he do a, do you know if he did a similar thing where it was all like one big story? or? Um, He
1: had the whole story in his, like from, from the letters. Because um, they're all separate. They're, yes. Like,
0: kind hi- well, they're, they're,
1: the the idea is that they're separate, but there's a through line of following right. yeah, the yeah. children and following well, this kind all of. Well, not all the same children. Yes, but like following children through. Yeah. That's like because it's supposed to be a children's novel and yeah. like the children's experience through Narnia mm-hmm. and the growing up and the idea of growing up with Narnia. Because yeah. if you notice, as the books, most of the books as they get older, as um, as we go farther and farther in the series, the things it's in Narnia older gets older and older
0: themes too. Mm-hmm. So
1: that's yeah. kind of where that concept sure. comes from. Um
0: Yo the first one though is like pretty dark. Yes. Have you ever read The Magician's Nephew? Well
1: no no, The Magician's Nephew actually is the last book that was ever released.
0: Yes, but it's the first in the series technically.
1: No, I understand that, but I'm saying in the release schedule, right. it got more and more adult. So yeah, so C.S. Lewis started releasing all the Chronicles of Narnia and by the end and he actually finished releasing them around the same time that The Return of the King was uh released, which is really, really funny. Because they're like super it, like the two of them are just super entangled with each other, and they're kind of like they worked together at Oxford. They were great friends. They're based off. of They base a weren't, lot of characters off of each other.
0: Weren't they like friends, but they didn't like each other's writing? They
1: were in. It was not that they hated each other's writing. They were. They felt very different about it because going earlier when I was talking about Tolkien ripping a lot of like the the blatant Christianity in his books and the blatant right. like. Uh, the blatantness of the influence of Christianity. Yeah. And he would take those out to kind of give it its own living world it's kind like of he idea. he took
0: them out to give them to C.S. Lewis to put them in. Well, yeah, and C.S. <laughs> Lewis just.
1: Um, I love the Chronicles of Narnia, but C.S. Lewis crazy. is very much. He takes um, different aspects of different cultures and different folklore and different religions and just smashes them all together with the big symbolism of Christianity oh, in yeah. the back.
0: Especially in Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yeah.
1: So it's this uh, it's very it's very intriguing because there's the two of them, which C.S., uh, C.S. Lewis was just like, let's put it together, let's see what it works, and it's kind of this mixing pot, right. whereas uh, Tolkien is very much, he kind of melts it and refines it into his own kind of thing, which is very, very intriguing. Um, on top of that, uh, so by this point in the in the mid-50s, so at this point, this is when like fantasy, um, the two series and I don't want to say mostly Tolkien, but mostly Tolkien, because most Tolkien was much more of a commercial success right. than C. S. Lewis was in the initial um in the initial release, but C. S. Lewis has now almost rivaled him in a lot of the selling. Mm-hmm. Um I believe that it's like when it comes to fantasy novels, I believe it's like Tolkien, then Lewis, then like Martin, like George R. R. Martin and a bunch of other people. Mm-hmm. Um but the Bible is still the first one. Of um,
0: Always will
1: be. Which is very intriguing to me that it's actually, it's really listed as like the top fictional book sold. Yeah. Which is a whole interesting conversation that we're not going to get into We're now. not going to get into that at all. But, um, but no, that's very intriguing. But um, because of these two commercially successful books, um, kind of paved the way for a lot of future authors and future, future writers to mm-hmm. kind of make fantasy and marketability in a writable um, uh, topic, which is very, very cool. Um, but fun fact about, uh, actually fun fact about this, because the two of them were so, um, good friends and they were super inspirational in either one of their writings, they actually wrote characters for each other. Yeah. Um, in, uh, Tolkien, um, in Tolkien's respect, um, he wrote CS Lewis as Treebeard I love because, it. um, Treebeard had, was very much like, um, Tolkien and CS Lewis had many discussions about um, naturalism and um, nature versus industry and all that stuff. And C.S. Lewis is very much on the side of like just let nature be nature. Right. And on top of that, Treebeard is known is described as having this big booming voice. <laughs> and fun fact, they worked about down the hall from each other. And Tolkien you would see you would read in these letters between the two of them how Tolkien would make fun of C. S. Lewis because he would try and be teaching a like he would be lecturing and all you would hear is C. S. Lewis down the hall shouting about <laughs> shouting his students about writing and things like that. Yeah. And it's very and <laughs> Which
0: is funny because like I don't picture C. S. Lewis as a loud dude. Oh, he's a
1: very and if if you read the um I should will I'll 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 find the link to the letters, but there's I think a it's whole because he's English. If you look at them, uh, if you look read the correspondence between them, because there's a whole, um, I found a website with all of a bunch of their letters transcribed cool. between the two of them. I'll try and put that in the link. Dump. That's sweet. Um, but the, the two of them are just like, oh, uh, yeah, they're just like old chums just being obnoxious as all hell with of each course. other. It's great. But um, they actually made a dare to write how their worlds are connected to the real world. Um, okay. Where C.S. Lewis writes a space trilogy, which is known as. I believe it's actually known as the Space Trilogy. Of course. Um,
2: <laughs> it's where not Star
1: the Wars. Main character, no, where the main character is based on Tolkien. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually um, quite good. I haven't read it in about 10 years, but I'm. It, it's a good children's book for me. Or I've young never adult. Even heard of this. Oh, yeah. No, it's actually pretty great. Tolkien, the both of them were supposed to write how it connects to the, to the 20th century. Right. Tolkien was supposed to write his book. Never finished it.
0: Of course not. I it's mean, he surprised? lost it. He lost
1: interest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's actually it, it's called the lot. Um, I've read part of the story. It's called the Lost Road. Um, okay. It's in the I believe the fifth edition of the Stories of Middle Earth. All right. Um, which is one of the many collections that keeps on coming out about Tolkien. But it's his old notes and everything like that. And it's very intriguing about like the Lost Road that goes from Aradad, which is the um, the continent, the world in which. Um, not the continent, but the world in which uh, Middle Earth is on. Right. Because fun fact, Middle Earth is only just a very small section of that world. Yeah,
0: there's more of that world
1: connected to the our world, which is so intriguing. But right. um, now we get into the um, what I like to call the the Shroud of the Tolkien era, ah, yes. um, because honestly, nothing really, at least from mentionable, nothing really came out that like really broke the. Broke commercial success as much as um, The Lord of the Rings did till the mid 70s. Okay.
0: Um,
1: and that was the Chronicles of Shinana or Shanara? Shanara. Shanara. Thank you. Um, I'm terrible at pronouncing things, which there's, a, there's an interesting, co- there's an interesting ad- adaptation of it on Netflix right now. Um, it's
0: actually started on MTV, which, you know. That tells you all of the things so about it.
1: Tells you all about it. But um, I'm totally but the reason but really funny about it is that the reason why it was so commercially found to be successful is because if you read the books, they're a co- almost like a a carbon copy of Lord of the Rings yeah. in a lot of ways. People a lot of a lot a lot of the reviewers now kind of say it's the best cover of Lord of the Rings ever. <laughs> um, it
0: is, it is actually pretty good.
1: But it came out in 1977, and that was the real next one, the next big success. Yeah. Um, but between that time, um, the Shinara Chronicles came out uh, a little in 1974. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little tabletop game came out. Oh, did um, it? Called uh, Dungeons and Dragons, and which what was a made game. by Gary Gygax, uh, Gygax and Dave Anson and two
0: guys who have way too much time on their hands no they were
1: actually i like i really enjoyed them because i really enjoy, I enjoy we grab coffee all the time but <laughs> um, it was actually really intriguing because a lot of what our modern day concepts of fantasy come from dungeons and dragons and lord of the rings because when they were crafting this world when they were crafting their what they'd be called what was eventually called like fantasy world right which was because the idea when the first story, when the first Dungeons and Dragons came out, mm-hmm. it was everything took place in the same thing as like fantasy world in this in the same realm as fantasy world. And people were just adventuring in different sections of it. That's Interesting. why. Yeah, it was really. So
0: there is an actual official Dungeons and Dragons world?
1: Kind of. It's it's adapted through the different editions, but okay. in the different editions like... Um, like right now, it's the Forgotten Realms, which is produced by, which was made by Wizards of the Coast, which is like people who are right. doing it now. Yep. But yeah, back then it was like Fantasy World. So like the idea is that like everyone would go check out the same dungeons mm-hmm. because you only had like three or four. Right. And you, it was that kind of concept. Interesting. But the main reason why I find it intriguing is that you. This is kind of where you start to see the true melting of fantasy, because they take the concept. Because Gary Gygax and Dave Anson took the concepts from Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. um, the creatures of Lord of the Rings and H.P. Lovecraft right. kind of put them all together and took the concepts of, like, the heroes of Lord of the Rings and Conan the Barbarian and right. that kind of viscerality and that kind of thing and kind of mushed them all together into what we now know as modern-day fantasy. Right. Which is really, really cool um, to think that. And I'm not saying that, like, Dungeons & Dragons created modern-day fantasy. It's just very interesting that it's that's... It's part
0: of the creation of it. Yeah.
1: Um, of what our concept to be is um, modern-day fantasy.
0: Well, I mean, so many people, when they think of fantasy stuff, I I feel like they do go right to what we think of as, like, what's in Dungeons & Dragons or, like, what's in a Tolkien world. Yes.
1: I was about to say, there's a lot of people who would call... Um who would call Tolkien like the father of modern day fantasy. And I would, I would like, after doing research, I would very much disagree with that because there's a lot of people that kind of collaborated and um, added to and created and helped create this modern idea of modern day fantasy. Well, it also depends
0: on like where you think it started too. Yes. And if you're like, you can go back as far as like, Greek mythology, if you really want to. Yeah,
1: I agree with you on that. And that's, like, where the original concepts of fantasy come from and where you can see the inspirations from, Mm -hmm. like, Tolkien and C.S. Lewis and even Charles Dickinson and all these people and Lewis Carroll kind of, like, pull from their ideas from the stories. Yeah, Because, honestly, it's just folklore being transferred into myth, being transferred into stories, being transferred into books. Right. And people and, like, all that kind of thing. But with the idea of modern-day fantasy, that really starts coming from people – immediately start associating it with like Tolkien and that era because it's such, you can, you can draw the clear lines from like what we see as modern day fantasy now mm-hmm. to Tolkien and all of those right, things. Because
0: you automatically think of like the wizard, the warrior. Yeah, exactly. And you mean, blah, 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 the dragon. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like you, like the what idea else? of like conquering the dragon, you can immediately yeah. just be like, Oh, that's from the Hobbit. That's like the right. whole idea. And mm-hmm. like modern day dwarves really haven't changed that differently from how are they to, how were they were described in the hobbit
0: yeah i mean all of this really just like popularized the whole idea of it because these ideas have been around forever yeah. like we were just talking about like with mythology and like ancient stories so like if you're talking about medieval england where they had stories of dragons yeah like that's where dragons come from exactly so it's like or like ancient chinese stories where Mm -hmm. chinese dragons come from Mm
1: -hmm. so it's very intriguing like and it's very it's very it would be very silly i would say of a person to say that like tolkien is the very beginning of modern day fantasy Mm -hmm. because tolkien needs his own inspirations as we were talking about earlier earlier is that like tolkien may be the modern day like father of fantasy quote-unquote But he needed to have idea. He needed to come from certain ideas too. Like mm-hmm. he needed to have those inspirations, and some of those inspirations come from like real history. And we'll we'll get closer when we talk more about like contemporary history and like when we talk about like George R. R. Martin with his Song of Ice and Fire, and right. even like Neil Gaiman with his stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, but I have to before we move forward, I have to give an honorable mention to um Sir Terry Pratchett. Yeah. Uh, because Sir Terry Pratchett wrote. Um, was if you don't know who he is check out his books don't check out all of them or if you can please do because they're all great but it's there's the so disc, many there's the discworld um series which um is 41 books he was he's been writing them since the mid 70s yep. um he like he went in on those books and he kind of is an underlier for a lot of he just keeps on he kept on writing all of these wonderful um, um discworld is all about these different stories of these different worlds about and like different elements of each world and it honestly is different stories from different sections of the worlds and different ideas that deal with different fantasy, different sci-fi, different everything.
0: Well, that's what's so cool about fantasy though is that it it's so big and expansive that if you make a fantasy world, you have the whole world to explore and it can be so big. Mm-hmm. And you can go on forever. Literally. Well, yeah.
1: And well, as I would say, that also comes into the concept of like, what is a fantasy world? Mm-hmm. Because that's, um, I think we'll get to that. Because once we start hitting modern day, once we start hitting to like the modern day fantasies, like in the early, in the mid nineties, early to mid nineties. And even now the two thousands and 2010s, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of different ways to like, kind of, you know, like the different ways to skin a cat. It's a lot of different. Um, what? You never heard that saying before?
0: I have. I hate that.
1: <laughs> um, but it's like. There's so many different ways to do this. There's so right. many different... And it's and it's only going to grow bigger and bigger. But it's so weird to me that from the 1930s to effectively the 1980s, there was really no difference in fantasy besides what you would think of like... And I'm not saying that there was no, but the commercial success was only It's all like, what
0: you think of when yeah, you think like, of fantasy. Like,
1: which, which is good because that's kind of how... I've At least, hey, it's a foothold and then it creates just some... amazing things
0: expands out into different
1: yeah um but to slowly move into the 90s at this point because then in the um because rad rad (laughs) groovy was the 80s right
0: tubular
1: that's 80s that's 80s Groovy. i don't know i have no No, idea groovy's '70s. is it
0: yeah then Then um, it's tubular then it's rad oh
1: okay good to know good to know i had no idea (laughs) um you learn something new every day the more you know moving forward onto like the Uh, 90s that is really when we start hitting our stride of like the kind of the new generation of um, what I like to call the new class of fantasy when you start because that's when you start seeing your just list off a few of the things that were released in the 90s Um, we started seeing uh, George R. R. Martin released a Game of Thrones um, Game of Thrones the first uh, first book of A Song of Ice and Fire in 1994 Neil Gaiman um, who is one of my personal favorite authors? Love um, him. Released Good Omen with, uh, co released Good Omen with Terry Pratchett in 1990 and then released his first own book, um,
0: Neverwhere. Neverwhere. was just finished. It was really good. <laughs> was it? Yeah, it good. was. I liked it.
1: Um, Neverwhere in 1996 and then he released Stardust in. Um, no which was stardust. which is adapted into a wonderful movie. It's so good,
0: it's so cute. In 1999
1: and all while that's also happening, we still have we still have even hit JK Rowling who yeah. released um,
0: Harry Potter The
1: slew of Harry Potter, the slew of Harry Potter books at the end mm-hmm. of the 90s. And all while that's also happening, we still have um, like the m- we haven't even talked about like film and like that stuff because mm-hmm. that's when we had like The Stories of Hercules and Xena Princess Warrior. Yeah. Xena Princess Warrior was like
0: I watched that every Saturday. But like
1: that also had a huge help in getting people back interested to fantasy cuz fantasy kind of wanted kind of went it into dipped. a dip when in the 80s when the giant um like uh, no, when the churches went crazy over Dungeons and Dragons and things like that. No.
0: That oh, you
1: never read though. about that? Oh, yeah. Is There's, it
0: like Satanic Panic? Oh yeah, no, fantasy like Fantasy Panic.
1: No, it's straight up Satanic Panic. Oh, like,
0: it's part of Satanic Panic. It's
1: like the idea that like because of Dungeons and Dragons, because of this fantasy realm, like, like witchcraft, like, yeah. wizardry, like it is, it is uh, a sin against God, like gotcha. it's a sat, like so, like. In media culture, a lot of it kind of took a dip away mm-hmm. and was like, ah. Uh, because they
2: just didn't want to get the hate for it. Yeah, yeah. which is
1: okay because, I mean, everyone was still freaking out over Star Wars at that point. So, because, <laughs> um, which is fine. But, <laughs> I'd, um, but no, moving on to like the 90s is really when fantasy started making a slight resurgence with a lot of like the wizarding world. And that's when you start to see the different, um, the different starts of, ver- different sorts of variety when it comes to, um, fantasy and how you can do fantasy mm-hmm. like that's when the idea of like urban fantasy started coming into the idea yeah. like um never where like um never was really one of the first kind of books to deal with like
0: yeah because that's i guess it's kind of a portal fantasy but also it goes back and forth between the real world and the like underworld mm-hmm. um but yeah, it's it's, but it's also like, urban because it's based in London. But
1: not even like I wouldn't say urban fantasy is like it has to be set in a city or things like that. But I'm saying like it's something that directly connects to. It's not in its own separate world and it directly connects to it. Like you know how in Harry Potter they go back and forth from the from the Muggle world to the Wizarding world yep. all the time. Mm-hmm. And there's these weird kind of like parallel universes kind of living together. Yeah, there's a lot but they're of
0: they're like invisible to mm-hmm. normal people, and
1: yeah. it's like um like one of my favorite comic book series hellboy has a huge amount of that where you go into like the monster side of the world yeah. where you kind of see these different things um
0: also great films Thanks. i was gonna say Thanks also Guillermo del Toro.
1: i was also gonna say great comics um they are
0: also great comics
1: but then also this is where we start to see the rise in different comics coming in like True. um like one of my hands down like if you have not read sandman so good pl- by neil gaiman please do yourself a favor. Sandman and like none of these places none of these people and none of these things are supporting us in any way shape or form we just love them <laughs> for the record um, but if you have not read Sandman yeah,
0: Sandman is a great one that came out in the 90s and then like no Sandman Sandman oh started no. coming what Sandman was... came out in
1: the late ni- late 80s yeah. and it's a comic book because yeah. he was in the middle of producing that right when it came Correct. out Um.
0: But and like now it's expanded so much like Saga is such a big one What's Saga? Saga is a recent comic book um, released by Image Comics and it's it's kind of a sci-fi fantasy which is interesting because that started also becoming kind of a mixed genre thing Mm -hmm. where sci-fi horror and fantasy all kind of Weirdly combined at some points, and there isn't really an ending to each one, depending on what author you're reading or what movie or whatever.
1: Well, yeah, I was about to say that. Like, that's one of the big arguments. That's a huge argument I I learned about Star Wars is whether or not people talk about if it's sci fi or fantasy. Yeah. Or if it's like because it's kind of both. It's a sci. Well, I always say it's a science fantasy. Right. Because it's it's um
0: science opera, science fantasy
1: opera. Science yeah, science fantasy opera. But um, that kind of concept of like. Mixing all of these things together, yeah. but
0: it's just so loosey goosey.
1: Yeah, but um, but like comics also played a huge role in the '90s and mm-hmm. early 2000s to kind of usher in this new era of like fantasy. And then while that all of this like is starting to turn and boil and everything like that, and like the bo- like um, George R. R. Martin started releasing more and more books. Um, who who is a really good writer? If you have not read, the, it's a li- it's very graphic. I'm going to give that warning yes. now. It's very graphic and very adult oriented. Yes. So if, if you're not, you haven't
0: seen the TV show, or Ryan yeah,
1: Bucks. if you have not heard the TV, sh- uh, the TV show of the same name, Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. um, give them a checkout. They're pretty good. They're pretty, ra- they're pretty um, racy they're, and
0: they're dense. Yeah. So
1: when <laughs> all of this started to come out and everything like that, uh, that led to honest, um, that led to a big resurgence and all kind of culminated in my opinion, like in the early 2000s, all culminated with like the Peter Jacksons. Yep. Uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy that came mm-hmm. out of the movies and I know I'm going to get a lot of flack for like people because I really enjoy them I think they're one of the best adaptations of the books that you can get um,
0: live my whole middle school life for Lord of the Rings it's true
1: um, but,
0: I, had, I had all the hobbits on my binder
1: I'm so proud of you.
0: I'm glad. That's okay. <laughs> I had
1: way too many. I I I like would watch them on repeat when I would get home from school and like all that work.
0: I think my AIM screen names had to do with Hobbits also.
1: Love you. I love it. <laughs> um, But li- like living in that idea of like fantasy then started resurging, and then you would start seeing a lot of fantasy novels coming out or a lot of fancy movies coming out and just this uh, like ungodly plethora of fantasy Mm -hmm. things to come out and yeah um,
0: well there's also like once again I think it splits off a lot more once we hit nineties and two thousands into like,
1: cause that's when you start so getting a lot more
0: genres of fantasy. Well, that's
1: when I feel like fantasy starts going from like what we know as fantasy yeah. and starts building into like uh like more of a setting or more mm-hmm. of like a, a gigantic genre where you try to find the niches right. of like the different, ty- the different styles. Cause that's when you start getting like your historical fiction, your mm-hmm. historical fantasy, you get your alternate reality fantasies, yep. you get your, um your, classical fantasies which are now considered um a lot of your classical fantasies now are considered high fantasy versus yes. low fantasy well, um, there's
0: also like like weird n- like niches of it that are like dystopian fantasy like things like the road yeah are technically
1: dystopian like, like
0: oh. i guess it would be dystopian horror fantasy kind of it's it gets so weird and mm. like mixed up once you start splitting off but it's also so interesting that you can get to those kind of genres yeah through and it's it. and then and that, it all started all with like the original like gerald token stuff
1: yeah so you kind of like and you kind of see where like it kind of builds into this new thing and um and now like i'm in the middle of reading um i've just finished reading one of my um a new series uh first book in a new series called the name of the wind by patrick Rothfuss. Mm-hmm. um if you have not read that book I would highly, highly, highly suggest picking up at your local bookstore or finding out on your local audiobook or Kindle or something like that. Go
2: to the library. Um, we need help. <laughs> we like libraries. But it's um,
1: that deals with a very like uh, introspective kind of idea of uh, like a very. It's a heroic. He, he even says it. He calls it like his own heroic fantasy. He mm-hmm. doesn't think of it because it's all focused on one character, kind of retelling yeah. the story of how he became this, and then also um,
0: hero's journey arc kind of thing.
1: Kind of, but in a very different style, a very different, like very different way. Okay, because it's um you meet the, you meet him like midway through his hero's journey, mm-hmm. and I don't want to spoil the book. It's, it's really good. Go check it out. Sweet. Um, and then there's also Ken Liu,
2: mm-hmm.
1: who um who's a local who's a local uh Massachusetts um person, which I super appreciate. But he just released um he's in the middle of releasing a book trilogy called um. The Dandelion um, Saga, which is, they just released The Grace of Kings, and I think The Wall of Storms just came out uh, about a a couple months ago, and I think he's working on the third book right now. But it all is set in this kind of um, East meets West kind of idea. Mm -hmm. Like, he takes a lot of the Eastern stories and Eastern ideas and mixes them with modern day fantasy. Yeah. Um,
0: Yeah, you were super into those last time. Oh, yeah, it
1: was so good. They're so good. I'm waiting on the third book. But, like, it kind of, you kind of, what we were talking about earlier, where you see the kind of mixtures of what is um of what fantasy can kind of become right because he made he was thinking of like the way that he kind of sells it and he kind of sells his own book as not like a, a not straight fantasy or high or low fantasy he calls it like he calls it silk uh silk punk okay. which is like his take on steampunk but with western it's like steampunk meets eastern fantasy ideas okay and it's really kind of
0: so it's kind of like samurai heroes rather than
1: no it's more based on like chinese unlike the ancient chinese um, ancient okay. Chinese um, history and things like that, like the feudal lords of okay. China.
0: So it's Chinese based, rather.
1: Oh yeah, he, I was about to say yeah. He's a, right. he's a Chinese. He's um, he's American Chinese, and okay. he's um. But he deals with he takes a lot of um. He takes a lot of the stories from ancient China and Eastern stories and puts them puts them on a like a Western twist. Okay. With a lot of influences from the East, but like with the Western kind of, steampunk, but, not twist to it. And it creates this new in fantastic world, new fantastical world,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, which I think is great because um, it doesn't because it kind of makes it its own. Yeah, which I highly suggest. So is,
0: it, is it kind of like Victorian almost with the steampunk element?
1: Um, like yeah,
0: technology wise, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Like
1: there's air, like they like they just start creating airships and things like that. Okay. Like it's it's very it's very much like that. Interesting. Um, it's really it's really cool. I highly dig it, but. Um, but yeah, so to lead up on that, that's kind of like the the brief history of modern day fantasy and wh- how it kind of comes to be. And now I kind of want to just chat about like what makes fantasy fantasy and what we kind of see as fantasy okay. after learning all of these things. sweet. Um, for me, I think fantasy is more of like, I feel like fantasy in this at this point in life is a story set in an, um, a story with mythical elements, whether or not be uh, magical or by the forces of gods or something mm-hmm. that is not based in science.
0: Yeah, I would say something that's completely created or it has some element of supernatural to it. Yeah, which is
1: what I always... Yeah, because I think it's the idea of like having that unanswered question and just having like it be magic yeah. or having it be um, the gods, say, the power because well, is...
0: the whole thing with fantasy is that it's based in imagination rather than reality.
1: Yeah. It's based in the yeah and you can t- you can trace that all the way back to like the Greek and the Roman um pantheon and the Greek and Roman stories of mm-hmm. gods coming in and doing their magical powers and everything right. like that. Cuz
0: that's imagination where they didn't know like science mm-hmm. or physics or something simple that we know now but it wasn't explained so it was basically created
1: yeah which is which is i think a really kind of like a cornerstone of what is fantasy at this time Mm -hmm. and kind of just making it into what your own thing is because at this point and a good example is george r r martin's a song of ice and fire and the game of thrones series Mm -hmm. um is effectively just and he's said this a lot of times is that he has adapted historical events and turn them into their own thing. Right,
0: because it's based Um, on the War of the Roses, right? Yeah,
1: it's very much based on the War of the Roses, and then he just adds this mythical element, Mm -hmm. and, like, there's a really funny quote that he says. He just goes, he goes, yeah, all you do is just look up some historical events, then you erase those names, write (laughs) in your own names, flip everything around, twist some things, and then you got your own story.
2: Yeah, and Um, that's more martyr. I
1: mean, yeah, exactly. No, no, like... no. There's a lot of. There's probably more. A, I was about in to say, life, if honestly. you want, if you ever want inspiration for writing your own history novels or your own fantasy <laughs> novels, check out history. Yep. history has some really screwed up and interesting moments that are just you can't believe. Yep. Um, but on that, like, it's it's very intriguing to see kind of like the what is the reach of fantasy and how far it can kind of extend to, because. You get the Tolkien now that we've talked about it, is like what Tolkien's kind of like life is, and what his and what his life work of what i, I core idea of fantasy is, and kind of going all the way to like I want to say like Neil Gaiman with Sam, um with American Gods, mm-hmm. um, which I'm reading right now, which is a <laughs> wonderful book, but it's very much like an alternate like the gods are real, right and you kind of meet them in this weird, you kind of meet them in this weird, like pseudo aging style. And like the world, like the gods are truly to exist. And there's magic in this world Mm -hmm. and everything like that. And you kind of are passerby.
0: But it's interesting because it's so much more based in reality at that point. Mm -hmm.
1: But just to see where the difference is, is like to see that. And some people still do Like you sell George R. R. Martin, who creates his own world of Westeros. And you have these. Sorry, the door bothered me. This door got ruined my brain. I'm sorry. Um, brain. Brain, 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 brain. brain. Um, but, like, the worlds of Westeros mm-hmm. is his own, like, creation of what the world is and his own kind of, yes, he took a lot of concepts from historical, like, history and things like that, but he kind of crafted it into his own realm right. that mirrored some ideas and Tolkien, who definitely mirrored some of his, um, some of the stories that have happened in the world and things like that. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to see characters like, um, see people like Neil Gaiman or, um, oh. or JK Rowling um, kind of create these parallel universes that do a lot different things and things like that who are, there's these fantastical mythical elements into the world that are magical and are fantasy by their concepts. It's fantasy
0: based, but it's also based in reality. Yes. As opposed to being a whole different separate world. Yeah. Now it's kind of combined mm-hmm. with regular fiction.
1: But it's, like, but what do you mean, like, regular fiction as in, like... As in, make like, decisions. it's
0: just a story about people that don't exist... Yeah. ...is the basis of fiction, whereas fantasy is a part of fiction. Yeah. Know what I mean?
1: No, no, I get what you mean. I get yeah. what you mean. Um, And it's, like, that's how I kind of see it, and it's very interesting to me on that concept. Mm. And, like, I feel like fantasy itself at the core of what fantasy is, it's a story about um, something happening with people with mythical elements that are included into it. Um, But a lot of people... But that in itself can lead to very different... A lot different stories Mm -hmm. as seen with the authors that are fantasy and things like that. Yeah. Because if you look at it, you have Harry Potter who's all magic and all these different stories. You have Martin. You have George R. R. Martin who has these stories of, like, Jon Snow, um, Ned Stark, uh, Cersei Lannister, and all these different characters, and Daenerys Targaryen with her giant dragons. And you have all of these different fantastical elements that... And even, like, Tolkien with his... Uh, Frodo and Aragorn, all of these very interesting concepts and these very mythical ideas and magic and all these different things. Those all fall under the what is known as the umbrella of fantasy. Right. But then you also can look at the concept of, like... Neil Gaiman, or my favorite, one of my favorite um, graphic novels, *Fable*, the *Fable* novels, yeah. which are all about dealing with um, w- when fantasy, when um, fairy tale creatures come, they come, into the real world. they come into the real world, and they have to live in the real world, and they have to li- live in New York City, mm-hmm. and like they have to kind of deal with that, yeah. and kind of trying to hide their world away. Um, which, by the way, if you have not read that book, um, that graphic, no- that series, I highly suggest it. It's a very adult theme, but it's really, really cool. It's
0: like The Wolf Among Us.
1: Yes, it's ba- um, the Telltale game, The Wolf Among Us was based off of that book series, uh, that comic series. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's... Which we never finished, by the way. We'll get to that. We'll do it. We'll do it. <laughs> we'll do it. Um, so that leads to, is that what you kind of think um, fantasy is?
0: Yeah.
1: Is that... Next. Nice. What are your thoughts on like what makes fantasy fantasy?
0: I mean, it's like what I said before, it's just a story that's based in some sort of imagination, whether it's based in the real world with fantastical elements or supernatural elements mm-hmm. or if it's its whole separate world. Yeah. But I think most people when they think of fantasy originally think of the whole separate world thing, mm-hmm. and I think that's where that interesting concept of it kind of like smushes together a bunch of different genres. Once we hit modern fantasy, because
1: that happens, like it's very interesting, kind of seeing it now in like the contemporary style of fantasy. Yeah, the
0: contemporary style where it could be literally anything as long as there's some supernatural element to yeah, it. Yeah, like or or like the like, TV show
1: Supernatural. Yeah. <laughs> Good but, example. like, would
0: you consider that a fantasy?
1: I would consider that. I would actually consider that uh, a fantasy a fantasy horror or TV show. Yeah. Because there's fantastical elements. You get these kind of ideas. It's very weird to me to think about that and that concept because it's so set in modern day. But mm-hmm. I consider American God's fantasy.
0: But it's, like, like things like Doctor Who also. Would you consider that fantasy or would you consider that sci-fi or both?
1: I would consider that science fiction. Okay. Because that the crux of... Doctor Who is science mm-hmm. like he's fantastical, and he does these fantastical things. But like then we get into the conversation of like sci-fi where the difference between, in my opinion. When but we it's look,
0: sci-fi fantasy.
1: No, I still consider Doctor Who 100% sci- science fiction okay. because I consider it um, because when I say when I think of science fantasy, I think of Star Wars because Star Wars has like science elements to it but there's the magical power of the force. Right. And there's this mystical, mythical power that's working around it as opposed to like Star Trek where Star Trek is 100% science fiction. It's right. all based in science. It's all based on this technology. Mm-hmm. And I would say like Dr. Who is very much about science and the superpowered. like he is a fantastical, crazy person, right. but it's all based in this kind of science of doing things. Okay. So like, but like, that's why I say like fantasy is very, um, it's kind of interesting now because in modern day, a lot of people try, try to break the rules, these rules of yeah. fantasy that are kind of set down by the concepts of like what we were talking about earlier with like Tolkien and things like that and all of those good things. Because um, I see when you think of like Tolkien, you think of a lot of different languages and you think of a lot of different, um, a lot of different races and a lot of different things, which you don't have to do that. Like, fun fact... The reason why there are so many languages in Lord of the Rings is because Tolkien was a linguist expert. Right. He loved language. Mm-hmm. So of course he wanted to write his own languages. Of course he has that. That's
0: like the dream of a linguist.
1: But like, that's what I mean. So it's like the concept of like everyone kind of takes these rules that were written down, these, un, like, these weird rules that Tolkien did and trying to apply it to fantasy, which mm-hmm. I don't believe that they should. All right. I think because if you look at it, like um the story. Can I, the
0: can I read you the official definition
1: of fantasy? Of
0: fantasy.
1: I feel like we probably should have done this at the very beginning. Probably, of episode, but, but. No, let's go with it's it. It's the
0: Merriam-Webster definition of fantasy. Um, the first one is obsolete or hallucination. Oh. Um, two is fancy, especially the free play of creative imagination. Okay. Which is basically what we've been talking about. Um, three is a creation of the imaginative faculty, whether expressed or merely conceived. Four is caprice. Five is the power or process of creating especially unrealistic or improbable mental images in response to a psychological need. And that can either be as an object or a mental image.
1: Interesting. Interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. And then, like, going along with that, this is, like, kind of a broad thing um it falls under the umbrella of speculative fiction which kind of holds all of like what we were talking about sci-fi horror fantasy Mm -hmm. all the made-up stuff you know the made made up up stuff. stuff um fantasy is always set in a fictional fictional universe usually without any real locations people or events but it can usually at least one of those is made up though interesting um And there's usually an element of magic or the supernatural and that can develop out of myths or legends, which is why I was talking to you earlier about how like ancient Greek stories or ancient Chinese stories and things like that that go back like centuries could technically be considered fantasy, but not modern fantasy. Mm
1: -hmm. No, because that's a lot of like, yeah, that's classical fantasy. Yeah. But that's intriguing that like, that like fantasy could be seen I like. I think that goes along with what we were saying. A lot of times is that it was just a modern, like a modern day fan, like fantasy itself is supernatural things happening, and in this kind of fictitious way.
2: Mm-hmm. Intriguing. Yeah.
1: Going back to the idea of like the the rules, the quote unquote rules of fantasy is like I feel like the the, the, the what is fantasy sh- is very loosey goosey in the concept of like it should. Ju- I think once again, I just think that fantasy should just be about. Um, mythical—a story about mythical creatures or involving supernatural and magical elements mm-hmm. in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that you like a fantasy sh- doesn't mean that you need to have orcs. Doesn't mean you need to have goblins. Doesn't mean you need to have dwarves. I think all it means is like that. that it
0: has to. It has to not be something based in reality. Is the general.
1: But then, thing. yeah, I was about to say, but then it's very interesting to me because then where does that fall? Like. Where does Sandman uh not Sandman, where does um American gods lie? Right. Because all of that is based on folklore and ancient stories and mm-hmm. things like that.
0: It's kind of like a an updated classical fantasy.
1: Yeah. And I would say I was about to say, once again, I always say the rules are meant to be broken when it comes oh, to like course. fantasy and fiction. And like we're starting to see that more and more in the past like twenty to thirty years because you're seeing these authors kind of like look at what are the rules of quote unquote rules of fantasy mm-hmm. and understand where they come from. Because, um, to quote one of my favorite authors, um, Patrick, Roth, I actually really enjoy Patrick office. Um, mm-hmm. but he talks about how the rules are meant to, you need to fully comprehend and understand the rules in order to break them. Right. Because do what you want. Cause it's your own story as a writer. It is your own story. But you have to know you, where it came from. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, I think that I con. I think that concept of like having supernatural elements and everything like that could be just like is the best way to kind of minimize. Is not minimize it, but like kind of if we're ever going to like condense it to what it what the roots of fantasy are, is has nothing to do with dwarves, has nothing to do with orcs, any of that magic. Uh, it just has to have supernatural and magical elements mm-hmm. or mystical elements. In my idea, the yeah. like these things they happen. So, like. Yeah, so that's kind of how I see that. And <laughs> why do we love fantasy?
0: Why do we love it?
1: Yeah, or why do people love it? Why, do, like, because personally, I love fantasy mm-hmm. for the fantastical worlds, the open idea of creativity, and um, and this goes with a lot of entertainment into itself. This idea of like escapism and this yeah, idea, I was gonna say. like, the idea of like escaping into another realm in mm-hmm. another world.
0: Well, that's the thing is like a lot of the the original modern day ones came out of like when was lord of the rings written like during world war one
1: it was no, no. it was written during it world, was written war I, in, world war one well, world so. war two yeah world war two in this very kind of like if you think of it from like this it's like the post-modern um the post-modern uh theater with like david yeah. ba- with samuel beckett and like david pinter david yeah. harold pinter not david pinter um <laughs> But like Samuel Beckett and Harold Pinter, where it's these very mm-hmm. kind of inexpressive ways to kind of do their own thing. Yeah.
0: And I think a lot of it, especially those first couple, came out of the escapism from World War II. Whereas everyone's like, oh, we could go to the movies and watch all these like reels of people in the army. Mm-hmm. hooray!" Or we could read this cool new fantasy novel that has nothing to do with the real world that we're kind of sick of hearing about all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's fun and exciting and it's based in heroes rather than like terrible, horrible things that are happening in the world. Yeah. Which is, you know, probably why it's so popular today.
1: <laughs> well, I was about to say, well, yeah, I was about to say, yeah, because in today's society it's just a little, uh, things are a little hectic. Um, but I agree with you on that, that there's that certain amount of escapism to understand, to kind of get away from a while and just be sucked into a book mm-hmm. or be sucked into a heroic story of the good guys win yeah. or things like that. Um, it's like but Sam once Cage
0: again, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, exactly. Two Towers.
1: But it's, um, actually that is
0: technically it's in the beginning of return of the king, isn't it? Or no, 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 or no, the, no. End the return, of Cause the beginning, sorry. the beginning of
1: return. No, no, no. It's in the middle. No, no, you're right. It is in, um, it's in the two towers. Um, because they, because in the Return of the King, oh, I'm
0: thinking about Chilob, how they put that in Return of the King, but it's actually at the end of Two Towers.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, and how Boromir dies at the beginning of yes. Two Towers in the books. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> but no, the way that I kind of look at, uh, but like even talking about like the escapism of these creative worlds and things like that, those are rules. Those are quote unquote rules that have been kind of established through the through books that and stories that have been created from the Tolkien era and the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Whereas if you look at like the, if you look at George R. R. Martin, George R. R. Martin has a lot of like the Song of Ice and Fire and um, all of those things you can kind of see. And there's a lot of other writers that do it in modern day. I know Neil Gaiman does it too, where they kind of rip, as you can tell, we kind of enjoy these people. Um, oh, no, no way. And they don't kind have of, all the books and even right in um, JK, Tol- um, JK, Tolkien? JK, <laughs> JK Rowling, um, JK Rowling kind of rips, the a lot of themes and a lot of feelings that are happening in modern day society, mm-hmm. and f- putting them into their books and kind of uh, another way to kind of digest what's happening in the world that's today. true. It's also like not like,
0: purely escapism, but like almost an explanation or reaction to what's. Going yeah, on. I was about to say.
1: I feel like it's very. A lot of books are also very reactive to, because mm-hmm. um, a lot very reactive to the world that's happening around them. And that can, and that's true and that doesn't always have to be the case because there's some, like, I know some authors will say, like, no, I just really wanted to write my story. Like, everyone, everyone and their mother always thinks that um, Tolkien wrote his books when, and had the World, world War II right. as, like, a symbolic metaphor for World War II. And he's like, no. Nah. That's not true at all because yeah. he wrote them as his own story. There were definitely elements that he brought from his wartime when he was a soldier in World War I. Right. But there's no, he has no direct correlation. He's not trying to connect, like, Saruman to Hitler or things like that. Right. Um, just happened just,
0: to all happen at the same time.
1: Yeah. It was just, so it's all, which I think you can say is, like, a kind of his creative react- reactivity to the wars and to things that's happening around him. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and that's the other thing is I think people like it a lot because it is so creative. Mm-hmm. And because it isn't based in reality, the rules don't really apply anymore. Yeah,
1: that's what I always really enjoy.
0: Um, so like you can have characters that can fly and use magic and walk on snow, legless, looking at you, <laughs> and like things you only can imagine, which is yeah, the whole and, base you, of
1: and it. on top of that, you also get like these fantastical stories of like. The chosen ones, or th- you always have like someone a man, uh, a fantastical or a non so a not so fantastical person doing fantastical things mm-hmm. like the boy that the boy who lived like Harry Potter I feel like is a very good example is like Harry Potter until he was 11 years old I might just get I might get roasted by the internet if I do right this. you right okay good so when he gets um, his letter to
0: Hogwarts Joe yeah
1: I want to make sure it was 11 and not 10 <laughs> but it's when he 11. was 11 years old he. Kind of was thrust into this new world of and becoming this kind of hero figure, mm-hmm. but at the end of the at the very beginning of the night, at the very end of it, he's just a boy who did some thing who like survived this thing and was thrust into this idea. Same thing with Frodo. Is Frodo was just a f- hobbit, a regular person from the Shire? Yeah, but he's kind related
0: of, to Bilbo, so everyone's but, like.
1: But it's the idea that he is a he's kind of a person who is just thrust into. Right. And he takes upon this mantle of I will be the person to take all of this and become this heroic figure and all Mm -hmm. that stuff. Um, Well that's such
0: a common trope too. Yeah. And that's when you get like so many young adult fantasy books. That's that's it. Yeah. (laughs) That's all of it.
1: Well that's like I was about (laughs) to say that's like your main character half the time. Aragon. Well, Aragon. Well, Aragon has yeah, Aragon's like that idea that has he has. Well, tw- that's
0: that's the you find a thing.
1: Yeah, that's like you. He he kind of discovers and takes up the mantle of the things that he was supposed to be because mm-hmm. he like he didn't really know that he was a he doesn't know Dragon that he was a king. Rider. Well, he didn't know he was a king until he was twenty or eighteen. Right. So.
0: Yeah, so there's also that whole trope of like the lost son thing. Mm-hmm. But there's so many.
1: Yeah. But it's a good time. I enjoy it. But no, I always enjoy fantasy because of the creativity. Like, mostly the creativity that it brews from people. And that concept of, like, creating different worlds. Which is why... And I'm such a, like, a nerd for lore and backstory Mm -hmm. and learning about what is is this realm that someone makes. And, like, what goes into making this realm. Or the world in which the person's working in. Mm -hmm. So, like, I love learning about... um, I would. I love learning about like and seeing and watching interviews and listening to interviews and reading them about like why Tolkien made Lord of the Rings the way he ma- made Middle Earth the way that he did, why C.S. Lewis created Narnia in the way that he did it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: why H.B. Lovecraft in, created these creatures, be, and it's like because he was reading Edgar Allan Poe and Oscar Wilde, who had mm-hmm. these very interesting and different ideas, and so that kind of generated things in his mind. Mm-hmm. Well, I think
0: a, a big part of it is. I don't think people realize how much research actually goes into making a fake world.
1: Oh, no, there's so (laughs) much research. Do yourself a favor if you're listening to this Mm -hmm. and um, go and YouTube any any creative writer, like fantasy writer uh, panel and discussions. And there's so much planning and figuring out. And they'll talk about how much effort they put into creating a world. And oh yeah world
0: wh- creation is like it's nuts oh yeah but Cause it's like, like well we know people who do D and D worlds and it, it takes years like they don't even know what's in their world half the time yeah and it's like and that, it's the same thing for writers is like they don't even know what's there until they're writing it and then they're like oh didn't even realize there was a mountain range here yeah well exactly. guess i might like put it in there put yep. some put some ghosts in there
1: they're like oh here's a mountain range <laughs> Here you go cool awesome love it um So it's really, it's really interesting to kind of see fantasy and like, that's why I love it so much is because it's, you just seeing the window. I always see it as like a window into someone's brain Mm -hmm. and to see like where they describe, like how they think about a world. And you can, and what certain things that people focus on in worlds, like um, fun fact, no one pays for anything in Lord of the Rings. Tolkien didn't really care about money
0: true it is all barter system but isn't it there's or no there's or no purchasing
1: I've, i i when i was rereading the books um when i was rereading the books the past couple weeks um there's no buying Interesting. They, they don't really buy anything there's usually like oh i'm gonna give you like if anything there's a barter if i give you this to this but there's not even that much of that because token didn't really care he was more interested in the, the song the writing of the songs the writing of the languages whereas like um, that's
0: actually really interesting mm-hmm. i never if, knew that
1: and if you look at like um if you look at martin um george r martin's um song of ice and fire he is super interested in families and the idea yep. of landowning and the idea and lineage of um, lineage and um lineage and um for some reason really enjoys food um <laughs> but it's like that concept of well, like he's
0: super into like histories and
1: oh he's like he's 100 into history and lore and all that stuff so you see how much how much effort that man goes into creating these huge families with mm-hmm. these huge histories and things like that and
0: that's why it takes so long for each book to be written but it's worth it yeah
1: um and then you get to like my my one of my good favorites is um patrick roffis who just op- um he's super into money he loves commerce mm-hmm. he loves the idea and he created his own entire commerce system for his books and for his stories, mm-hmm. and you can start talking about what is important. What's the importance of a shilling versus a pound? um That's not the actual names that they use, but right. like, but what is the importance of them in this world? And yeah. what's a and dollar you versus slowly a
0: penny. Learn it through the story rather yeah. than and it's um told. and
1: people are always talking about it, which is cool and intriguing to me.
0: So it's like they put their own personal interests within the fantasy world, yeah. Because
1: it's like yeah. what what you kind of see what interests you in those things. Mm-hmm. Like the idea of like, I guarantee you the person who created, um, supernatural had a super interest in folklore stories and, Oh yeah. And demonology uh, lo- like demonology and like love the idea of love the hist, the stories of like Conan, the barbarian hunting things. Mm-hmm. Cause you can see it in the way that they write in the way that they kind of work because, um, but yeah, if you look at, Supernatural—it's this craziness of like you can see the connections to Monster Hunters and things like that, and you can see where the influences and what that creator's interest lies in.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, well, yeah, no—that's why I love I love fantasy for the history and the personalities behind it. So,
0: all right, nice, cool, yeah.
1: but yeah. So, why do you nerd out about fantasy?
0: I mean, I just think it's it's so much more fun than other things like i i like good regular fiction but it's so much more fun when there's things you don't expect Mm -hmm. i guess so i like having the element of magic or creatures i love love a good creature Mm -hmm. love a good creature um and i guess having that that surprise or just something you you don't know because it doesn't exist mm. just suddenly appear in a book or whatever mm. is it's just interesting it's fun to read about something new even if it's not real
1: oh 100 i agree with you on that
0: yeah and just the just the creativity that goes into it is is awesome
1: yeah but cool.
0: yeah that's kind of what nice. i like
1: Rad. Awesome. Well, um, I guess that pretty much wraps up our episode on fantasy. All right. Um, Thank you all so much for listening. Um, Be on the lookout for a bunch of things, a bunch of information. We'll have a bunch of, we'll have a couple of photos up about fantasy. Yeah, I'll
0: do what I did last time um, where I'll put up like the main picture and then I'm going to put the little scroll through of visuals Mm -hmm. along with it. We'll probably put up some polls about fantasy like what you're who interested. would win in a fight yeah exactly
1: and things like that <laughs> questionnaires and you know throw, and um, people are interested i'll throw up some links about um some of the info that and some of the research that i've done i had so much fun doing research for this it was like super intriguing to get into it i may have gotten a little lost into like talking c.s lewis nah, land but fine. like it happens um it's the good
0: stuff We'll probably get, like, deeper into some of these at some oh, point, Oh, yeah. Too. We'll definitely,
1: like, yeah. This will not be our first run-through of these ones. We just kind of wanted to test the waters and see how we're... With our first couple episodes to kind
0: of give us that. Do a big
1: fantasy... Kind of, like, overview. Spread. So then I've, if we want to do, like, a talking episode, I can just, like, just nerd then out for the entire time. Then can just go time. for, like, three hours, um, Be on the lookout Four for that three-hour episode coming out in two thousand fourteen. <laughs> as long as the first um, <laughs> movie extended version. <laughs> um, but, yeah. So, um, thank you so much for listening to us. Um, We'd like to send a big shout out to our first real big supporter. Our first
0: Patreon supporter, my mom. Thanks, mom.
1: (laughs) Thanks, Mimi. Appreciate (laughs) you. Um, Um,
0: She's great and super supportive all the time. So, thank you so much.
1: Appreciate it. You're great. I love Um, you. But, yeah. Give us a like on Facebook. So, um, check out, check us out if you like this. Share it with your friends, all that good stuff. Yeah. Support um, us, us on
0: Patreon. I'll love you too.
1: Yep. Check <laughs> it. Yeah, I was about to say. Check us out on Patreon. Check us up uh, out at uh, mynerdneighbor.com. Yep. Um, and thank and you. And we so can
0: much. be found on all social media at My Nerd Neighbors. Yes. If you just search for it, you'll yeah. find us.
1: Um, and if you ever want to send ideas to us, tweet us. Tweet a uh, tweet at us, or post something on the Instagram. Or email um, us. Or email us or things like that. Please use the hashtag Discover Your Nerdy Side. And thank you. We'll see you next week. And don't forget to be nerdy.
0: Yeah. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Do, 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 do.